Hello and welcome to You Heard It Here First, the show that helps you discover the best that Audible has to offer. I'm your host, Imriel Morgan, and I'm back with even more brilliant recommendations. On today's show, I treat your ears to some intriguing poetry and we get a glimpse into the ever-fashionable world of the designer Vivian Westwood. Then, two of Audible's editors are back to recommend an exciting new memoir and a thrilling fantasy adventure. Plus, we hear from one of you about a fun sci-fi novel in our listeners' corner. Let's get going. Quick warning, though, there's some strong language later in this episode. I'm starting things off today with a featured customer review. This is where I pick out some of the best feedback left by you on the Audible website. I've chosen a five-star review from Adrian for Nothing to Envy by Barbara Dimmock. Let's hear why he loved it. A heartfelt account. The book is a window into North Korea through personal case studies of North Korean defectors, the majority of whom defected in the early 2000s. If one is looking for a political analysis of North Korea, this is not it. Rather, this is an account of North Korea with a human touch, an actual feeling for the lives of those affected, the people behind the statistics. As the title says, real lives in North Korea. Overall, an essential book for anyone with any interest in North Korea or anyone with interest in real-life examples of hope overcoming despair. A heartfelt ode to the human spirit. Thanks, Adrian. If he's convinced you, you can find Nothing to Envy by Barbara Dimmock on Audible. Now it's time for our featured new release. This week, I thought it was time we enjoyed a bit of poetry, so I've chosen Dearly by Margaret Atwood. I haven't read any of Atwood's other books, but I'm a huge fan of the Handmaid's Tale TV adaptation. Given how popular she is, I thought Dearly would be a great introduction to her work. Dearly is her first collection of poetry in over a decade. The book is broken up into five parts, though each has a seemingly random selection of poems. She covers a variety of topics from birdsong to sex to alien encounters. There are some bigger overarching themes, though, including death, the destruction of the environment and violence against women. I must confess, I'm not the biggest poetry fan. I think I lack the imagination to read between the lines. But there is something about this collection that I found soothing. Part of this is thanks to Atwood's wonderful narration. Her delivery is slow, calm and at times unemotive or detached. Most of the poems painted very vivid pictures, though fair warning, some of them are a little dark, and by little I mean really very dark. It's the first work she's published since her partner died in 2019, and there's definitely a sense of sadness and loss throughout it. I still really enjoyed listening to them. It's not that it's depressing, it's more that there's a sombre tone you feel throughout the poetry. The entire collection is just under two hours, and I found the time flew by. I played it whilst working, and on more than one occasion, I'd hear something strange and fantastical that I'd skip back to to give the poem my complete attention, like with her poem Betrayal in part two. When you stumble across your lover and your friend, naked, in, or on your bed, there are things that might be said. Goodbye is not one of them. You'll never close that clumsily opened door. They'll be stuck in that room forever. 
But did they have to be so naked, so minus grace, floundering around as if in a spring puddle? The legs too spindly, the waists too thick, the flubbers here and there, the tufts of hair. Yes, it was a betrayal, but not of you, only of some idea you'd had of them. I just love the description of two lovers entwined, and I was just completely baffled by the whole thing and had to go back and listen to it again. So that's Dearly by Margaret Atwood. If you're in the mood for some sad and thought-provoking poetry, you can find it on Audible. Now on to the hidden gem section of the show. This is a lesson that you might have missed while browsing the Audible site. This week, I've chosen Vivian Westwood by Vivian Westwood and Ian Kelly. There's so much name dropping in this book, from Madonna to Armani, Jordan to the Sex Pistols, and I couldn't get enough of it. But as the title suggests, it's all about the life, career and relationships of the fashion powerhouse that is Vivian Westwood. It offers a behind-the-scenes look at her creativity and inspiration, as well as her passion for punk and disobedience. It's a really intriguing listen. Vivian comes across as a working-class, authentic and wildly intelligent artist throughout. You can't help but see the kind and considerate person behind the avant-garde designs and head-spinning outfits. The book is told with a mixture of third-person observations by Ian Kelly and first-hand testimonies from Vivian, all narrated by Paula Wilcox. It's a bit weird, but the shifting perspective helps keep it engaging. What I loved the most about this book was learning about Vivian's more troubling past. She was married to the wrong man, she struggled to raise her two children, and she had a very tumultuous relationship with her second partner, Malcolm. Her story is really moving and is filled with flaws and traumas that mean you end up forgiving every one of her sins. This rings true for Malcolm in particular who is not only her lover and co-creator, but her motivating force. Their relationship was chaotic and filled with conflict. I marvelled at what the duo were able to create while together, in spite of all of their problems. The book really gets going once she steps out on her own as a designer, following her famous pirate collection. Here we see a different side of Vivian. She is confident, sure and edging closer to being a triumph in fashion beyond the punk scene. I really loved how the book reveals all the highs and lows of her life. I expected she'd be a rich, roaring success from day one, but her journey was not that simple. She actually had to spend some time living in a caravan in a random village to make ends meet. Have a listen. We had no money, no income. We couldn't afford Aigbeth mansions. I tried living with Dora, but our parenting was very different. She wanted to smack Joe if he broke things and she had lots of little knick-knacks at his height she wouldn't pack away. So we rowed, and it was Dad who suggested that we live in the shed, which turned into the idea of living in their caravan up in Prestatin. Vivian must surely be one of the very few people in the couture and fashion business who has known true poverty. Her family were consistently supportive and not without small means, but Vivian insisted she should stand alone with her little boys and with the choices she had made, and that meant, in the short term, accepting the offer of the tiny caravan in windswept Prestatin. She took Ben out of school completely and determined to live on family allowance, six pounds a week plus foraging in markets, on her wits and on her own with her little boys. It is a salient character point, 
and perhaps a key to her later fearlessness and lack of concern for critical or commercial success, that Vivian took off and found self-sufficiency and some creative positivity out of dramatically straightened circumstances. Yes, wild. Another thing that this book does exceptionally well is the description of the clothes, the stores and the punk scene Vivian was part of. Fashion lovers may disagree with me on this one, but I found I couldn't relate to this world. I desperately wanted to get to the tell-all bits of the book. But when it gets there, boy does it deliver. From cocaine fueled parties to being punched by Sid Vicious, you get sucked into the drama of it all. If you want to get all of the tea on the UK punk scene, you can find Vivian Westwood by Vivian Westwood and Ian Kelly on Audible. I'm joined by two editors each week who have something they want to share with you. And this week we're starting with Gabe Fleming. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Emriel. What have you chosen for us today and why? I have chosen A Promised Land by Barack Obama. And why? Because I'm a massive fanboy and I just really like him. He's an all-time hero of mine and I think he stands as an antidote to a lot that's going on in the world today that's less pleasant. I'm really glad you picked this book because I'm also a massive Obama fan and really just love to hear him speak. I think he's got a wonderful voice. What does he talk about in this book? Because he's got a couple already, no? Well, he really, I mean, it's his presidential diaries. I think the plan was for him to nail them all in one volume under immense mm. pressure from his publisher, I imagine, but he just couldn't do it because the man has got a lot to say and he's done a lot and achieved a lot. And he has a very wordy sort of verbose style, which means basically in a really interesting way, he goes on and on and on. <laughs> um, I mean, it's about his childhood, his ascendancy to the presidency, mm-hmm. you know, how, how he got there, his fight through lots of sort of lower, you know, local and Senate uh, political battles all the way up to through the primaries, you know, seeing off Hillary Clinton as the Democratic nominee and then eventually taking on the Republicans and winning. I haven't read his other books, but I've heard really great things about those. But I did read Michelle Obama's Becoming and we reviewed it with Mariam Khan a few episodes back. And I think they're quite similar in that they are both very detailed, descriptive speakers and writers. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of detail, which is in many ways quite soothing to listen to, if not long-winded. It's definitely long. And if you're in a rush, I don't recommend this book at all. But for anyone that's just kind of just wanting to follow along, I completely agree with you. It's like a, it's like a novel. It's quite nice to listen to. And he's got a wonderful, wonderful voice. Yeah, it's almost like a comfort listen, which you wouldn't normally say about like a 30-hour exactly. political biography. <laughs> but it's it quite, it it quite comforting. Are there any parts of the book that you just absolutely adored? So yeah, he talks a lot about um, this phrase that he wants to appeal to the better angels of our nature. And this is a Abraham Lincoln quote that's often used, you know, throughout American history. But really it's about exactly that. It's about appealing. It's about not giving in to the fault lines that divide us and about finding common ground. And it's something that he sticks religiously through, you know, right from when he was an idealistic young author writing Dreams from My Father He stuck that through right through to office, and I think he sums it up really well in the book. Oh, brilliant. Let's hear a clip. What I can say for certain is that I'm not yet ready to abandon the possibility of America, not just for the sake of future generations of Americans, but for all of humankind. For I'm convinced that the pandemic we're currently living through is both a manifestation of 
and a mere interruption in the relentless march towards an interconnected world, one in which peoples and cultures can't help but collide. In that world of global supply chains, instantaneous capital transfers, social media, transnational terrorist networks, climate change, mass migration, and ever-increasing complexity, we will learn to live together, cooperate with one another, and recognize the dignity of others, or we will perish. What was it about that particular moment that really stood out for you? He's held on to this hope. He's held on to this belief in humanity, despite all of it. And I think while it's certainly he's perhaps become a little bit guarded or jaded in some of it, you know, given that he's writing in the context of all this going going on around him, he has absolutely held on to his central message. And that's a big, I guess that's a big part of what's made him who he is. You know, the early days when he sort of refused in some ways to kowtow to, you know, ugly politics. He, did, he he refused to, like, you know, lay out baseless attacks against Hillary Clinton in the primary races, even though when she was doing the exact same thing and all his advisors were t- saying, you have to fight dirty, this is how politics works. I'm curious about what you may not have liked so much about this book. I feel like we've alluded to one aspect a few times. <laughs> yeah, but- I mean, it's... There's not honestly. There's nothing I didn't like about him because I'm an an unapologetic fanboy. And, and look, I'm very aware he's. I think he's more like a a pop star than a politician in the way I relate to him because I don't see him on the news every day. You know, it's not like British politics that I know. You know, know and live through in a lot more detail. And, it, and it's much harder to put people on a pedestal in the same way. So I'm, I'm very aware of that. And I think a lot of what I've said is probably quite gushing. But you know, he is. He, he calls himself out for being incredibly long winded, and you can tell that in the book. And he's a great writer, so he gets away with it. But there's early parts where you know his speech writers are like, "Come on, like you're going on." Like people ask you a simple question, and after the four, you enter the fourth minute of your answer, everyone's starting to like, you know, fall asleep, and you need to be snappy. Like you need to you need to. Turn Turn these into sound bites, not explain the whole policy and history of everything. Mm. And, and I mean this affectionately. I think um, I find it quite amusing his possibly slight false modesty. He appears to have no ego whatsoever <laughs> and is never motivated by ambition. And you're a bit like, come on. I mean, there's um, talk, you know, as he's coming up, the, the campaign really hit a moment where he suddenly had this star power. He'd given a few amazing speeches, he started to build up a national following. And, you know, there's situations where he would be at events with like decorated veteran senators and all their and their supporters would be outnumbered like 10 to 1 by all these youngsters screaming for his autograph. <laughs> and he he never says that there was any pleasure in that. He sort of is like, oh, you know, and he would sort of look back on it with this kind of lofty intellectual you know, well, it was just my time in history and I didn't really want to be president. I just felt like I could change the world for the better and now the time. And you think, all, all that's probably true, but did you never think they fucking love me and they have good reason to? And I'm feeling quite confident right now. There's absolutely none of that. And I, and, and I think in having read Michelle Obama's book, yeah. you're like, yeah, she gives a bit more of a like, come on, get over yourself, Barack. Brilliant. Will you be looking out for the next Definitely. volume? <laughs> do you think it's going to be, be 29 I'll be, hours i'll be first in line <laughs> absolutely brilliant thank you gabe thank you a promised land by barack obama is going to be available in 19 languages but you can download it in english from audible now 
And next up, we're joined by somebody new. It's Sam Butler. Hi, Sam. Hi, Emil. Would you mind telling us a little bit about what you do at Audible? I work in the marketing department. Nice. What do you do in the marketing department? I work in basically trying to show all of the great content and titles that we have to our customers so that they see all of the brilliant audiobooks that we have. Amazing. Sounds great. Can you tell us what you've chosen for us today? I've chosen a book called The Starless Sea by Evan Morgenstern that was released last year. What's it about? <laughs> How long have you got, really? It's, um, it's, I'll say up front <laughs> that it's not the simplest book. Um, but in essence, it's a story that follows a mid-twenties grad student called Zachary Ezra Rawlins on a fantastic journey to a different other world beneath our world called the Starless Sea. All right. One day, Zachary finds a mysterious book at his university, which appears to be a collection of short stories. And he is understandably alarmed when one of those short stories is actually something that happened to him in his childhood, which no one else could possibly know. So he gets quite fixated on the book, gets led into this mysterious world of books and storytelling, which with every turn, he seems to understand a little bit more about this world. But for every extra answer he gets, he gets like two more questions. Mm. One other thing uh, about this novel, which is really kind of unique, is as well as this main story, uh, every other chapter is punctuated with a short story mm-hmm. that feels very separate from the main story, but is in some way integral to what Zachary is going through. And um, that short story, as well as just being really beautiful very often, also adds extra information into what Zachary is going through. Maybe not always straight away, but certainly helps the reader understand what's going on further down the line. I mean, some people have um, rightfully probably found it quite a hard book (laughs) to follow uh, and even listen to. Was that the case for you? Did you find that you picked it up quite quickly? No, not at all. Um, (laughs) Right, fair enough. (laughs) It is uh, certainly a tricky one to follow. I'd say if anyone understood it completely on their first listen through, they have like reason to be uh, labelled a genius, I think. Um, I certainly <laughs> very much struggled with it. But I think the storytelling in this is just so sort of beautiful and full of uh, mm. description that takes you away to another place that it's definitely one of those books where the journey is way more important than the destination. And sometimes what you're listening to is a story from a character within a book, within the book, within the book you're reading. So it certainly is not going to be easy to follow at all times. But if you just forget trying to understand it so much just enjoy the ride by the end you'll um you'll kind of have an idea of what was going on yeah were there any parts of the book that really stood out to you or like a moment that you just really loved and really enjoyed listening to there are many moments that i really loved in the book but one that i think is quite important is the scene where zachary as a child has a kind of a life-changing moment or it's at least a moment that could change his life And this is the moment that he reads about later on in his life. And I think that the way that the author portrays that with like a literal door that can or couldn't be opened, like often a metaphor for whether you are opening a door to a new stage of your life or not, is just really beautiful and certainly one of my favourite moments. Brilliant. Let's hear a clip. Tentatively, the boy reaches out to touch the door. The part of him that still believes in magic expects it to be warm despite the chill in the air, expects the image to have fundamentally changed the brick, makes his heart beat faster even as his hand slows down because the part of him that thinks the other part is being childish prepares for disappointment. 
His fingertips meet the door below the sword, and they come to rest on smooth paint covering cool brick, a slight unevenness to the surface, betraying the texture below. It is just a wall, just a wall with a pretty picture on it. But still, still, there is the sensation tugging at him that this is more than what it appears to be. He presses his palm against the painted brick. The false wood of the door is a brown barely a shade or two off from his own skin tone, as though it has been mixed, to match him. Behind the door is somewhere else, not the room behind the wall, something more. He knows this. He feels it in his toes. This is what his mother would call a moment with meaning, a moment that changes the moments that follow. Yeah, I I completely agree that whilst listening, when I came away from like just trying to follow the story, what I did find that I really enjoyed was the imagery and the descriptions and these kind of fable-like moments that you were describing earlier. And that made it just really enjoyable to just like enjoy on a cycle, just having it on in the background. I just found that it was just a very pleasant thing to listen to and enjoy and just get sucked into. Yeah, definitely. With this book, it just kind of makes you feel like a kid again. The way that the fairy tales are weaved in and as you said the descriptions are so kind of otherworldly but well-rounded that it will definitely remind you of being read a fairy tale at a young age which is a nice thing to have at any stage of your life absolutely brilliant thank you so much sam that was great thanks emil to celebrate the release of the starless sea paperback erin made a starless sea themed animal crossing island how cool is that animal crossing lovers the Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern was Sam's pick this week. You can download it from Audible. Next, it's time to hear from our sister podcast, Audible Sessions, where Audible invites some of your favourite authors to talk about their new releases. And this week, I've chosen a clip from Anton Deck's hilarious Audible session. Ant and Deck are a comedic duo best known for their presenting on ITV, including I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. They've written an autobiography together called Once Upon a Time, which tells the story of them meeting on the set of kids' TV show Biker Grove, their famous hit Let's Get Ready to Rumble, and their life on TV. They spoke to Holly Newson about their careers, their highlights, and what it's like to be pitched I'm a Celebrity. We like the idea of it, you know, the 10 celebrities going to live in the Australian outback and having to kind of fend for themselves and do like bush tucker trials because that the idea for that was there. And they said it's called, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And we're like, like yeah, whatever. That's a rubbish stupid title. <laughs> Honestly, we were like, it's too long. It's it's a bit rubbish. It doesn't the, fit on the, the EPG when you're <laughs> clicking through. You think blue sky, you can't, yeah, that won't all fit on there. So we're like, and we were like, the, the title will change, yeah. the title will change. They'll change rubbish, the name. Rubbish title. Because quite frankly, I'm not saying that every night. Cut to 20 years later. And, On the bridge. And, and, get me out of there! <laughs> uh, yeah, we've said it every night. And it's kind of stuck, hasn't it? You couldn't think of that show being called anything else. Yeah. Other than I'm celebrity, get me out of here. But we loved the idea of the show. And it was around the time of other big shows were like Big Brother and Survivor. And this was almost like a mixture of the best bits of Big Brother, people living together and getting on each other's nerves, and Survivor out in the wild. So like this has got a little bit of everything. And we get to go to Australia every winter for five weeks. This is a winner. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I love Ant and Deck. They are actually the highlight of my childhood. So listening to this Audible session was a real treat. Also, I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here has become like an actual classic. So the fact that they hated the name at the beginning is fascinating to learn. If you want to find out more about Anton Deck's autobiography, Once Upon a Time, you can listen to their full session by searching for it on Audible, where you can also find the book. And finally, it's time for our listeners' corner, which means I get to hear from one of you about a book, podcast, or play you love. This week, our recommendation comes from Ty. Let's hear what he's picked. Hi, Imriel. I'm Ty, and I'd like to recommend Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. This book is Ernest Klein's debut novel. It's set in a dystopian future where a protagonist, Wade Watts, takes part worldwide in a virtual reality game in search of an Easter egg. When he finds a Easter egg, this would then give him the creator of the game's fortune. I love this book because I'm a massive fan of gaming and science fiction, and the book contains hundreds of 80s pop culture references, which is the decade I was born in, so it is completely relatable. If you're a fan of sci-fi and a bit of a gaming and movie buff, you should definitely download this book. It's narrated by 80s icon Will Wheaton, and it's a complete nostalgia trip. Ty, you had me at Will Wheaton. Thank you so much. It sounds excellent, and I can't wait to check this out. As a thank you, we are giving you two credits to download anything you like from the Audible website. If Ty's convinced you, you can find Ready Player One on Audible now, along with the highly anticipated sequel, Ready Player Two. And for your chance to win some credits, why not send us a review too? Just send us a short message telling us about something you've loved and you might get featured here. Record a voice note on your phone or send us your thoughts and I'll read them out. Email it over to yhihf at audible.co.uk. But please remember, keep your reviews spoiler free. And sadly, that's all for this week's You Heard It Here First. Before we wrap up, remember to subscribe so you don't miss the amazing reviews coming up in the next episode. In case you missed any of the titles we recommended today, here they are again. Nothing to Envy by Barbara Dimmock. Dearly by Margaret Atwood. Vivian Westwood by Vivian Westwood and Ian Kelly. A Promised Land by Barack Obama. The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern. Anton Deck's Audible Session. And our listeners' corner was Ready Player One by Ernest Pine. You've been listening to You Heard It Here First, an Audible original produced by Content is Queen. Presented by me, Imriel Morgan. Additional voices by Richard Hodson and featuring Gabe Fleming and Sam Butler. It was produced by Ellie Clifford. Original music was by Seth Bradford. For Audible, the executive producer was Holly Newson. The production executive was Hayley Nathan and the commissioning editor was Kent DePinto. Pinto.